All the teens and young adults, if you have your Bibles, if you can get them open to Numbers 13 tonight. Numbers chapter 13. Man, I like that song. That was good. You'll never go hungry. I always like a song that talks about never going hungry. That always encourages me. Numbers chapter 13. Uh, Got a little bit of of more of a Bible study tonight. Uh, Something that I hope will be an encouragement. Uh, and I hope will be a blessing. Uh, I, I love studying the Bible. Uh, I get to spend most of my days, and most of you would know this, but I spend most of my days teaching the Bible uh, here at Grandview Christian Academy. And I have the privilege of teaching the Bible to 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. And man, uh, we have a blast. It's great. Uh, you know, sometimes, I man, people, I, I don't believe this, but people will say, man, you know, man, you must really struggle teaching the Bible to those, those young people and, and making it interesting. And whenever someone tells me that, I just, I don't know. If you've read the Bible, there's some, there is some awesome stuff in the Bible. And honestly, man, the, the more uh, exciting you make it, it we, never, we never have a boring moment uh, in Brother Derek's Bible class. So most of the time, it's like, what? Brother Derek, I didn't know that was in the Bible. I know, it's got some crazy stuff in it, right? It's wild, okay? Uh, but we're going to be here in the book of Numbers. Uh, now, Numbers as a book. Man, Numbers sometimes gets a bad rap. I remember this. Uh, they're not in this room. But uh, when I was younger, I was in children's church. And if we were bad in children's church, and I'm not lying here, uh, our teacher in children's church told us, if we were bad, he said, kids, sit down. If you talk, I'm going to read from the book of Numbers. That was like the threat, you know. Uh, and he is a good man, loves the Lord. But I remember growing up thinking, what's in the book of Numbers? You know, like, is there nothing in the book of Numbers? That was like the punishment. Please don't open the book of Numbers, okay? Uh, but we're going to look at the book of Numbers tonight. And I think what we're going to look at today uh, is an amazing truth. And honestly, this is something uh, that has been on my heart for a while. It's been something that I've actually been able to teach to our teens. And I think it's something uh, that, is, that is very applicable uh, to us in our, in our lives today. So if you can, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 13. Now I'm going to read a verse, and then I'm going to do a little bit of explaining. And then we're going to kind of, if you keep your Bibles open for me, that'd be great. Uh, but we're going to be kind of walking through a couple chapters of the Bible here. If, we, if you want to look at Numbers chapter 13, and we'll start at verse number 1. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. Now, we're going to look at a lot more Bible. But before we get started this evening, let's have a word of prayer. And then we'll jump right into the message for uh, this evening. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time, Lord, we can open your word. Uh, Lord, I love studying the Bible. I'm encouraged by it. I get excited by reading it. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just use me, use my words these next few minutes. I don't want to be long tonight. But Lord, I want to be an encouragement. Uh, Lord, I want to be be used. Lord, I want your word to be used uh, to encourage the people in this room. Lord, as this passage has helped me. Lord, I pray that you would just bless these next few minutes. We love you. Amen. Now, if if you know the background of the story, and, and I'm sure you do. Uh, the children of Israel have just won some phenomenal victories. 
Man, if you study all the way through the book of Exodus, my Bible class uh, right now, if you go to Grandview, uh, in seventh grade, you get Old Testament. We go all the way as far as I can get through the Old Testament. Uh, in eighth grade, we go through the Gospels. It is a great time. Right now, uh, in my seventh grade Bible class, if you have a seventh grade at Grandview, they're about to get hammered. Uh, we're about to go to Exodus. And man, I love the book of Exodus. Man, you're talking about Moses and just everything about him growing up, uh, him ta- you know, going to the backside of the desert 40 years, God bringing him back. Just amazing events. So we, we pick up this story and God has already worked in the children of Israel just mind-blowingly. If you look at all the different plagues that God sends to Egypt, Moses telling Pharaoh, let my people go over and over again. Pharaoh hardens his heart. Finally, he allows the people, uh, the children of Israel to leave. He tries to bargain with God. Well, you know what? You can leave for a little bit, but you got to come back. Oh, well, you can leave, and but you got to leave your children here. Or you can leave, but you got to leave your aunt. And so finally, after all of this, the children of Israel are out of Egypt. We know the story. They leave, and as soon as they leave, Pharaoh knows, man, I made a mistake. I don't know I'm going to do this. And he sends his army after him. We know the miracle of the Red Sea, Moses stretching his rod over the water, God parting the Red Sea, the the Israelites being able to cross over on dry ground, uh, God literally taking the Red Sea on top of the Egyptian army. Miracle after miracle after miracle. It's incredible. Again, like I said, I just enjoy reading it. And you're going to see this as we go through here. When I read the Bible, I try to put myself in it, man. And I try to think, you know, this is what they're going through. What would I do if I was in that same situation? Uh, Many times I'd probably be screaming, running the other way. But what would I do if I was in these situations? So now, finally, the time has come. The Israelites have crossed the Red Sea. They have made their journey through the desert, and honestly, their, their journey at this point is, hasn't been that long. God has provided them their needs. He just cuts through explaining how he is going to guide them using that pillar of cloud uh, by day and a pillar of fire by night. Again, that's another one of those things where I'm like, what is that? You know, can I see a pillar of fire at night? I, 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 again, I, I, tell, I tell the teens all the time, I said, man, listen. When I get to heaven someday, I know we're going to be worshiping Jesus. It's going to be good. But at some point when I'm in heaven, I'm going to, I'm going to say, you know what? Give me, a, you know, give me a couple thousand years here. Can I go take this thing back to rewind and take it back to day one? Because there's some, I got to see this pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day, guarding, just, just crazy things. But now the time has come. They're right here. They're on the edge of the promised land, this land of Canaan that God has promised to them since Abraham. What an exciting, can you imagine the exciting time? For hundreds of years, you've known that's what God wants for you. You've hoped that that would someday come true. You've been in slavery and you thought that was going to be the way of life. We're never getting out of slavery. But God has miraculously freed you. And now you're, you've come through the wilderness and they're right there on the verge of the promised land. If you look in the verse where I kind of read, I'm not going to read through all the names, but Moses goes through and he lists all the names. All, they chose, there's 12 tribes. They choose a man from every tribe. And he lists these 12 men that are, that, are, that are given the opportunity to go to the promised land. Once again, I think about this. I think, can you imagine those 12 men? Think of the honor. Man, these, these tribes, these are great groups of people. Think of the honor that these men must have been so excited. Wow, this is something that my dad dreamed about. This is something that my grandfather dreamed about. This is something for generations. My family has been dreaming for this moment. Ah, and I get the chance to go. How cool, how cool is that? These 12 men, I, I'm sure they're excited. 
So first off, again, we're gonna, we're gonna work very systematically through here the next couple chapters, and we're gonna look at this, these events, and we're gonna pull some truths from these events that I hope will be a help to us. Uh, I, if I have a title for my message tonight, uh, it would be this. It says, when fear becomes failure. When fear becomes failure. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we live in a very fearful world. You know, we live in a world where people are, are, are scared. Uh, people are, are scared of the unknown. And really, there's a whole list of things. But we're going to look at this story, and we're going to look at some people who had fear. But they allowed that fear to control them to where it became failure. So let's look at this very quickly tonight. Uh, like I've already said, the men are chosen for this, for this task. This is the time they've been waiting for. Finally, they're going to enter in to the land that God had promised their forefathers. The second thing I notice here in, in, in these events here is we see the mission. If you have your Bibles open, look at uh, verse number 17 there. You can skip down. I'm not going to read all the names of the men. I don't think you want to hear me read all the names of the men. Uh, but we're going to look at verse 17. And it says this, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And said unto them, get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood there then or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the first time. Of the first tribe grape. So you can see this. Finally, this, the selection process has happened. They've got 12 guys. They're going into the promised land. They're pumped up, I'm sure. You know, they're getting their gear together. They're getting everything prepared for this journey. And now Moses has given them their marching orders. He said, listen, guys, this is a land that, that I've never been to before. This is a land we've heard of, but we've never been here before. So this is what you need to look for. Hey, look at the land. Man, is this the land of mountains? Does it have hills? Is it, is it flat? Look at the cities. Again, just, just common things. We would, we would literally use the same advice today. If, we, if you're fighting a battle, you would send out scouts ahead of time. And what was their job? Hey, what do they have? What's, what, what kind of fortifications do they have? Do they, is it a rocky terrain? Is it a flat terrain? All these things, Moses is doing the same exact thing. He said, guys, your mission is this. And we're going to see the importance of this in a minute. Your mission is this. Scout the land. And see the people, see the cities. But then let's move on here. Like I said, we're going we're gonna to move quickly through this. So first off, we see, uh, number one, we see the men that were chosen. Number two, we see the mission. The mission was to spy out the land. But number three, we see the mistake. Uh, I, I'd like you to, to go down to verse 25 here. And this is so interesting. It says, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. So you can imagine 40 days they're gone. Once again, the children of Israel are excited. I mean, I'm sure they're getting prepared. I'm sure they are getting ready for this moment, excited for the return of these 12 guys coming back, ready to hear, let's go get them. Let's go get what God has given us. Let's keep reading. It says, and they went and they came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Now listen. If the men would have stopped right here, they would have completed their mission. What was the mission? The mission was this. Hey, go scout the land. Go scout the cities. And scout the people. So if those verses we just read, that's what they did. 
They, they start off by doing exactly what they were supposed to do. They, they completed their mission. But I'm gonna, we're going to see here, look at verse 28, and we're going to see where they start to get off here. And, and this, look at the first word of uh, 28 is this. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and, and the Hittites, and the, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, and by the coast of Jordan, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses. Now, this is interesting. Now, look at that first word of verse 28 there. It says this, nevertheless. And the word nevertheless is not one we use a whole lot today, but if we we're going to use it in all of that, we would say this, in spite of all of that. Now, listen, this is where they start to go off a little bit. They completed the mission. The mission was, go through the land, scout the cities, see the people. But they say, you know what, we see all of that, but now we're going to change the mission. We're just going to change it a little bit, and we're going to kind of go over what you asked us to do, and we're going to start making excuses. Look at the, man, we, we, we did look at the people, here's what's wrong. They've got giants in the land. We did look at the cities, but, but here's what's wrong. Look, look at the walls of these cities. We did look at this, look at the terrain, and you would not be, a, you'd be amazed at the mountains that these people have built their fortresses into. But I, I see this, and is this, this, the mission was never to determine if Israel was able to conquer the land. Never in those verses before do we ever see God saying, hey, I want you to go scout the land out to see if it's possible. No, 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 no. God said, Moses said, go, go scout the land and see how it's possible. What's the best option here? God had already promised them that. It was a mission on the best strategy on how to conquer the land. You know, some, somehow over this time period, something changed in these men's perspective. They changed the mission. The mighty people in the great walled city should have been an opportunity to rejoice in the victory that God was about to give them. But instead, it caused them, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight, it caused them to fear. And listen, uh, they took the mission that God had given them, but they went towards that mission. And when there were things on that mission that they didn't understand and that didn't make sense to them, now they come back to the people and what are they doing? Now I'm going to doubt the mission. Hey, how many times have we done that in our life? As I was looking at this, we see that fear starting to kind of creep in a little bit, right? You know, how many times in our life does God give us something to do? And man, as I was reading this, I was convicted. How many times that when we know God has laid something on our heart, hey, this is something I, I think you should do. Hey, this is a person that, that I feel you should try to reach. Hey, this is a person, and whatever it is that God lays it on our heart, and we know that's what God's mission is, and maybe we even try to pursue God's mission, but somewhere along the way, just like these men, what happened? Their perspective changed. Maybe we, we start going down the path, and we say, well, well, God, this is not as easy as I thought. <laughs> You know, uh, God, there's, there's some issues here that I wasn't expecting. Are you sure this is still the mission? I have this written down. It said, you know, God may ask us to do something, and we agree to it. Now, again, remember, these, these men weren't forced to go into the land. They didn't say, you had to do this. To them, at first, it was an honor. It was something they were so excited about. God may ask us to do something, and we agree to it, and we don't know the obstacles that are coming down the road. But guess what? We need to realize that God does know, and he still sent us down the road. Listen, these men, they, they, get, they get to the land of Canaan, and it, it blows their mind. They start thinking, oh no, what are we going to do about the people? God says, I already knew about the people, okay? What are we going to do about the cities? God is thinking, I, 
already had a plan for the cities, you know? And how many times in our life we start going down a path that we know that God has for us. And yet when obstacles come in our way, we want to turn around and say, oh, well, maybe this isn't the right path. No, 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 God, God didn't change the path on you. God knew the obstacles that were down the path. And guess what? He still said, hey, this is the path that I want you to go down. We see their mistake was changing the mission. The men come back scared, discouraged, and they share their feelings with the rest of the Israelites. And this is so interesting to me. Look at the very end of verse 31. Look at how far they've come. Verse 31 says this, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Talk about being shell-shocked. What, what, what just a few days before was joy. What just a few days before was just absolute, we can't wait to get in there. We can't wait to conquer what God has for us. And now these men come back, and what is their final response? First they say, you know what, we did what we were supposed to, but let me tell you some other things that are wrong. And now at the end of it, what is the verdict? Finally, the people say, okay, 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 okay. What, we know the people are going to be strong. We know the cities are going to be tough. What do you think? And that's what the men say. We're not able to do it. Listen, it was in this moment that what, what, their fear is very quickly leading, leading them down the road to, to failure. And, can I, and, I, and I believe this. I don't think it was bad for these men to necessarily have fear. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when I've seen what God has for me or God wants me to do, and I've been scared. (laughs) Listen, it's okay. I don't blame these men. I don't blame these men for walking into a a city, scouting a city, and and a giant of Anak walks by. If you study these guys, that was where Goliath's family was from. These guys are probably eight to nine feet tall. When I look at them and I say, well, that's a big dude, uh, I don't think there was wrong for them. To, to, to necessarily have some fear. But it became wrong when they said this. We're going to allow our fear to now control us. Now we're scared and now we're allowing it to control us. Where God has told us to go this way. And now we're saying, no. I'm scared. I'm going that way. I remember this. Uh, I was younger. And uh, when I was younger, and this is, this is even before we moved on property here. We were here, my dad and I were here working. Uh, just doing a few things around the church one night. I don't know if you've been here before. Some of you I know have. Uh, at nighttime, you think, man, the church is God's house. Man, it's a good place to be, you know. I don't know about you. You turn the lights off here about 930 at night with nobody around. Church is scary, man. <laughs> I don't know. And I remember I was in elementary school. And we were up, I forget, we were in the foyer doing something. And my dad told me this. And it, ugh, I remember this vividly. He said, Derek, uh, we're, I'm right up here. He said, I'm going to walk down the front of the building. And check the doors, make sure everything's good. He says, ah, it's been a busy day. I don't remember what day it was. Honestly, maybe it was after a Sunday or something. And he said, I want you to walk through the buildings and make sure all the lights are off. Okay, I don't know about you. Eight, nine-year-old Derek. I'm going to walk through the building and make sure all the lights are on. You know, I'm not, I'm not turning all the lights off. What are you talking about? And I remember this. I was scared. I was fearful. You know, uh, I had friends that were like, you know, they would, they would, Sorry, Lord. But they'd come in here, you know, and they had like a study hall in class during school. They'd like sneak up. I'm going to sneak up to the auditorium and turn the lights off and take a nap on the pew. <laughs> this is so funny. That wasn't me, man. I, I'm good, okay? Uh, uh, but I remember as a young man, thinking my dad's, and, and you know, my dad's like, yeah, Derek, 
Come on, man. You're, you're, you're a man. Okay. Go turn off the lights and I'll meet you there. Go down by the, you know, by the drive through and I'll pick you up there. I was scared. Literally, I, I begged my dad. I said, no. <laughs> I didn't say no to my dad very often. Uh, very, very, very few times. I learned that very quickly, right? Uh, but I, t- I remember telling my dad and I was fearful. I remember this. I remember he, he wouldn't let me say no, so that, that, that worked, right? He said, no. I said, Derek, he said, you're fine. He said, go through the buildings, and I'll meet you at the bottom. Make sure the lights are off. Check the classrooms, and I'll meet you at the bottom. I said, okay. Now, I'm glad Now I am glad that we did not have cameras all throughout the buildings back then, right? Brother Hoxie would have been laughing at me like a crazy man, right? I remember this. I decided I am going to see how fast I can get from the foyer to the bottom of the property as quickly as I can. I Man, I was moving like the flash, right? Walking through, slamming lights off, making sure doors were closed. I thought someone was right after me. I can't, I'm running all the way through, but I made it. And listen, there's, there's so many times in our life where, listen, it's, it's not bad for us to be scared. I mean, people pay to be scared. Halloween, it's going to come up. You know, I'm going to pay 20 bucks so someone can jump out and scare me. Woohoo, okay? Uh, it's not bad to be, it's not bad to be fearful. But when we allow that fear to now control our decision making. Listen, I encourage, I encourage our young teens and, and you'd be, you'd be proud of our teens, man. I, I am proud of our teens whenever we take them out. We had a teen Sony marathon a couple weeks ago. And I could not believe, I had, oh, we had, let's see, I had one, I, uh, Brother TJ uh, sent all the young ones with me on the teen Sony marathon. Isn't that great? He's like, here, you have the middle school. I'm going to give you all the middle schoolers. Well, thank you, Brother TJ. Let's go drive around Portland and see people saved. Amen. Uh, but I remember the guys that were in my van, we we're going to go sewing all day Saturday, invite people to church. It was going to be great. And I remember the guys in my van, uh, I had three of them. I had eighth grader and two seventh graders. That was the guys in my van. None of them were, you know, taller than my belly button. Okay, they're they're small. But I was so challenged. I remember, I mean, I remember it was like a couple weeks ago. Hopefully, I still remember, right? Uh, but they would come to me, brother Derek. We got to find somebody. Oh, I know, guys. We're looking. I remember we drove. We went to Malala Saturday morning. We're looking for people. There was nobody. <laughs> There's nobody in Malala, okay? We went to Camby. I love Camby. Camby's where my bus route is. I'm thinking, Camby, we're going to go. Revival's going to happen. It's going to be amazing, okay? There's nobody in Camby, okay? And so we're slowly driving around, and I'm getting discouraged. Man, I want to see people. I want to try to find someone to, to accept Christ, and I want to invite someone to church. And so far, it's just been ghost town. So we're making our way slowly, trying to drive through, hitting up parks all the way through Portland. Uh, and I could not believe they're sitting, I'm driving, Becca's sitting right beside me, and these three guys are literally sitting in the seat behind us. All right, Brother Derek, you gotta, Brother Derek, you have to find us someone. Brother Derek, it's 1130, and we haven't, we haven't been able to witness to anybody. Come on, Brother Derek. Okay, guys, I'm doing my best. You know, I'm the one on the, on the questioning seat right now, okay? And I remember, uh, the very first thing, I dropped them off. There's a park, there's some people playing at the park. I said, hey guys, go, go talk to them. They talked to them, and, and they weren't interested. Okay, Brother Derek, it's 1230. We haven't been able to talk to anyone, Brother Derek. You gotta find us someone. And I remember we're, we're, we're driving down the street, leaving the park, and there was a grandma and her three kids. I said, guys, you wanna go talk to grandma and her three kids? Yeah, yeah, let's do it, okay? So I, you know, I pull over, they jump out of the van, and they go up, and I'm telling you this. They, they sat down, grandma, they told grandma, hey, we're inviting people to church. Can we tell your grandkids a Bible story? Grandma says, oh, yeah, sure, why not, okay? So they, they sat him down on a park bench, and I, I, you know, I loop around the block, and I'm kind of waiting on him there, and it convicted me. Man, I've got, we've got these three junior high boys. They're lined up in a row. It was, it was awesome. I should have taken a picture. I forgot to. Uh, and they're just literally, there's three grandkids and grandma, and they're explaining the gospel to them. Man, it takes about you know, five or six minutes, and, and you turn around, and you know, as soon as they turn around, you know, they turn around. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, Brother Derek. Okay, they come running back to that. Okay, buy a car. Okay, they come running back to the van. Brother Derek, that was awesome. All three of them accepted Christ. Good job, guys. And the grandma. Like, yeah, grandma. Okay, uh, it was awesome. And listen, sometimes we look at that and we think of ourselves as adults. I could never do that. But listen, I, I encouraged them. So I, and to me, it was, it was challenging to me. Listen, they, they might have been scared. But when it was time to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go and I care enough about this random stranger that I've never met before that I'm going to go and I'm going to be bold in sharing the gospel with them. And they said, okay, I can do that. That was convicting to me as an adult. Because I know there's been times in my life where, you know what, I've been fearful of that. I've looked at that person and said, I'm not going to talk to them. And they said, you know what, Brother Derek, let's go talk to him. Another one of the boys later that day, it was awesome. We went to another park, and it was just a random neighborhood guy. He, he had uh, this little bike shack, and he would fix all the kids' bikes. Well, there's, you know, there's like 12, 15 kids around it. I said, hey, why don't you go talk to those kids? They went over there, and one of the boys, eighth grade, said, hey, uh, he talked to the guy with the bike shack. He said, hey, can we, do you mind if we just share some Bible verses with these kids that are waiting? The guy says, well, of course, go ahead. And I look over there, and he's got like 12 kids like, gathered around him. Now, again, all of them, you know, twice as tall as him. And he is sharing the gospel with him. What was that? It was saying, listen, uh, I might be a little bit fearful, but I'm not going to allow that fear to become a failure. And listen, as an adult, I, I, I don't think it's bad for us to fear. I've been scared. I've had fear in my heart. But when we allow that fear, just like these men here did, allow that fear to now start controlling us, Man, that's not a good place to be. And let's see, and let's see here. So now you have the children of Israel are just in an uproar. And I see here number four, we see the aftermath. If you look at the first verse of chapter 14, this is wild to me. Look how quickly the children of Israel turn. It says there, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. I want you to see this. When you have fear that is controlling you, the very first response of a fearful, sorry, I can't talk, fearful person is to lash out. This is, this is crazy to me. Look at their first three responses. So now the children of Israel have heard this report. These guys have come back. Now, props to Caleb and Joshua. Not all 12 of them had that fear. Caleb and Joshua tried to settle everybody down. Said, hey, hold up. We still know what God has for us. But the people were upset. And look at the very first three things that they decide to do. This is crazy. Look at verse number two. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God that we had died in this wilderness? What was the very first thing? Listen, when fear is controlling you, what was the first thing they did? They turned against God's man. The second thing they did, and this is interesting... When fear was controlling this, them, what was the second thing they, they did there? They turned against God's plan. So first off, they start spreading rumors about Moses and Aaron. Oh, why are they leading us anyway? Now, what's interesting to me is the chapter before this, uh, Aaron and Miriam had tried to say the same thing about Moses. Miriam got leprosy, so it didn't work out well for her. But they we're right after this, and once again, they're saying, you know what, we're not sure about this. And then, that once they're allowing fear to control this, is now... What is this plan that God has for us? Did God bring us in the wilderness to die? And then look at the third thing that happens here. They turn against those who stand. Look down to verse number 10. It says this, But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. Talk about how powerful fear can be in your life. This, This congregation of people who they have all seen the miracles of God. Physically, they have seen God part a Red Sea. 
They've seen God defeat the most powerful army in the world. They've seen God do miracle after miracle in front of Pharaoh. But when they allow fear to control them, now the first thing they say is this, you know what, God's man, get him out of here. We're tired of listening to you, Moses and Aaron. What are you trying to do, kill us? Then they go against God's plan. God, are you just trying to kill us in the wilderness? Now again, I don't understand the children of Israel here. Every time they go through a hard time in the wilderness, this is their response. You know what? We should just go back to Egypt. Which that sounds good. But just jog your memory here for a minute. What were they doing in Egypt? Oh, yeah, they were slaves. I don't know about you. That is never a solution to anything. I've never had a bad day and said, you know what? I wish I could just become a slave. That's, that has never crossed my mind ever. But for some reason, the, the, the Israelites thought, you know what? You know, oh, man, we don't have water. Let's go back to Egypt and become slaves again. We had water in Egypt. Like, okay. <laughs> oh, we don't have food. I guess, man, oh, well, life, life stinks. So, you know, Egypt was pretty good. Bro, you were a slave in Egypt. What are you talking about? So we, we have them turning against God's man and saying, Moses, Aaron, what, what are you trying to do to us? You have them now turning against God's plan is saying, God, we don't, we don't like what you're doing with us now. And then they turn against those who stand. Literally, Joshua and Caleb get up, and they try to talk some sense into him. They try to say, whoa, 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 slow it down. Listen, I know, we were there, we saw it. We understand there are some giants in the land. We, we understand that. We understand those cities, we saw them just like the other guys did. But can I remind you what God promised us? And they were so stricken by their fear that their, their first response was this. You know what? These guys, Joshua and Caleb, stone them. Kill them. You say, how powerful can fear be in our lives today? It's a very powerful thing. This nation that was God's nation, when they allowed fear to control them, they are going against God's man. They're throwing out the whole plan that God had for them. And anyone who dares to take a stand against their opinion now, they're going to just stone them. So we see here the aftermath. You know, what is our response, as I was thinking about this, what is our response when things don't work out the way we thought they would? I don't think, to the children of Israel, if you can think of it here with me, things are not working out <laughs> the way they wanted it to. But we see their response here is just off and right field. Listen, what is our response? There's going to be times when, when God sends us down a path, and, and, and what is our response going to be? I, I was thinking of this verse uh, in Second Timothy, very familiar verse, chapter 1, verse 7, says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know what's so interesting to me? Now, and this is hard to understand. I was kind of making fun of it earlier. When something difficult came into the, the children of Israel's life, their main response was this, to go back to slavery, which is what I said. But I, as I was thinking about this, I thought it was kind of interesting. What was, what is slavery? What was that? You know what slavery was? Slavery was their comfort zone, right? Slavery was where, you know, that's where mom and daddy lived forever. That's where grandma and grandpa lay lived forever. You know, that's where, uh, you know, we've, we've lived there for hundreds of years. So if things aren't going right with what God says, you know what, let's, let's go back to our comfort zone. And what is a comfort zone? Your comfort zone is slavery. And I, I, I am great at doing this. I am great at making fun of the children of Israel. <laughs> I'm great at saying, you know what, you guys are being so dumb. But then, you know, I get convicted because I start to think about things. Oh, I probably do the same thing. You know, God has a plan for me. I don't like it, so what do I do? Well, I start going back to the same comfort zone that God called me out of. Man, God gives me victory over a sin, and, and I'm happy about it, and, I, and I'm following, and I'm going with God. I'm going away from that sin. But then something trips me up. Man, something fearful comes in my life, and what is my very first response? Oh, I'm going to go back to that sin. 
Listen, the, the first response of fear is this. You know what? Uh, I'm fearful. I don't understand. So I'm going to go back to what I'm comfortable with. But a lot of times, you know what? What God did was on purpose to take you out of that comfort zone. It wasn't an accident. That God said, hey, uh, you thought slavery was the only way of life, but I showed you something greater. So when something tough comes along, don't go back to slavery. That's not the right option. So we see the aftermath. And then the next thing I see here, finally, uh, the man of God speaks. If you, if you look there at chapter 14 and verse number 20, it says this, And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now, these ten, ten, ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land, whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now we know God hears all this, and, and I'm going to read all of it, but in the beginning of chapter 14, God starts out with this, which again is, is kind of ironic to me. God comes to Moses and says, hey, uh, so are you ready for a new group of people to lead? <laughs> God is so fed up with the people at this point that he literally tells Moses, hey, if you want to leave, if they want to go back to slavery, Moses, let them go back to slavery. Okay? God's like, I'm done. Moses, I'll give you another group that's even better than this one. Moses says, whoa, 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 God, this is still your chosen people. But God says this, listen, uh, their choice are going to have an effect on them. Any of these men that decided that they were they're allowing fear to control them to not go into this land that I'd given them, they are never going to step foot in the land. God offers to give Moses a new group of people. Uh, and notice the first response of the people, and this is so interesting to me. Moses gives that to the people. If you look in verse 3 and 9, he tells it to them. Uh, Verse 39 says that Moses told these things to the, all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. Listen, it became very real. When those consequences came down, when Moses came back to people and said, Listen, I just want you to understand, because of this choice that you've made, that you didn't just have fear, but now you've allowed fear to control you, so much so that you've thrown out the window everything that God has for you. There's going to be some consequences. And he kind of lays down the consequences uh, you know, the, the adults, all the adults are not going to be able to go into the promise. And he lays it down there, and it says the people mourned greatly. Talk about, talk about a letdown. What, 40, 40, 40 plus days before was a time of celebration and, and a time of happiness and excitement, and then during those 40 days while the spies were gone, a time of, ah, oh, the unexpected, I don't know what to expect. And now they've had this letdown, they've had this anger, and now they finally learn the consequences of what their choices did this. And, and, and honestly, uh, when, I've, when I've read this story before, when I've heard this story before, that's kind of where the story ends. But as I was reading this, I noticed something here at the end of this chapter. And to me, man, when I read it, it was like, you ever been convicted? I, I get convicted reading this story, allowing fear to control me, okay. But when I read this last thing in this chapter and what their decision was after this, boy, this really got me. If you will, look at verses... Uh, 41, or 40, it says, And they rose up early in the morning, and they gat them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and will go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised. For we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. This is so interesting to me. And again, I've never seen this before. 
The ne- they understand. They mourn greatly. The next day they say this. You know what, Moses? Okay, 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 okay. We made a mistake. I'm so sorry. We're gonna, well, let's make it up to God, okay? We're going to go and try to fight them right now. Moses says, hey, you better watch out. God's not in this. You know, part of the aftermath is this. Is, you know what? They decided we're not going to have God help us. And now we're rejecting what God's planned for us. And then their decision was this. We're going to try to go now do this in our own power. God, you know, we rejected your help. We allowed fear to control us. And now, okay, God, we're sorry. Now let's go try to win this all by ourselves. And we're going to see this doesn't work out for him. Look at uh, verse 42. This is Moses saying, Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. Moses says this. Listen, I want you to understand. God's not, God's not with you. Listen, you might think that this is a good idea, but don't do it. Let's see what they do. Verse 43, for the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you and ye shall fall by the sword and because ye are turned away from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord will not be with you. But they presume to go up unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, there's that word again. The ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites, which dwelt in that hill and smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormah. What did they do? They said, you know what? Moses, we're going to just, now we're just going to do it our, our own way. Didn't work out for him. And man, as I read that, some of the scariest words, I'm telling you, some of the scariest words in this whole chapter is, is that few different times there. Uh, verse, uh, end of verse 43. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. Verse 42. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you. You know, those, there's verses like that that are a stark reminder to me. Listen, I know that God has a plan for me, but I, I, as a Christian, I never want it to be said. You know what? He's trying to do things all by himself, but I don't know if God is with him. These people said, you know what? All right, we rejected God's plan, but we're going to try to do it in our own strength. Moses says, no, no, no. You can try to do it in your own strength, but God's not with you. And it failed. Have you ever done that before? <laughs> I know I have. Man, maybe I, I, I have wanted something and, and I just decided, you know what? I'm going to work as hard as I can to make this happen. Didn't ask God about it. Didn't, didn't really pray about it. Just said, you know what? This is what I think is right. And whenever I've gone through something and said, you know what? This is what I think is the best plan. And I'm going to try to do it by myself. And God says, nah, I'm not with you. Listen, as a Christian, and I read this, as I read this verse, that was challenging to me. I never went there to be a time in my life where God is not with me. I was challenged. I, was, I had the privilege, and really, it was just an, it was amazing privilege. Last week, being able to go to a, to a spiritual leadership conference and a pastor's conference, and it was, it was amazing. I was encouraged. I feel like it really helped me. But really, on Tuesday night, they had an evangelist in, and he preached a message. It was just an extremely powerful message about how having God with you. Man, have, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Having God, it didn't matter what you're doing. Even as a pastor, as a, as a layman, as a deacon, as an usher, whatever it is that God has called you to do, that God's Spirit can fill you and help you to accomplish that. And I was challenged by that because just to be very honest with you, it was getting very easy for me to say, you know what, I, I can do this. <laughs> I can wing it. And you know what? I don't know if I, I don't know if I really need God on this. And this is a sobering story because that's the attitude the children of Israel had. Well, you know what? God said we're not going to be blessed, but we think we can now do it on our own. And it didn't work out for them. They were defeated. So as we look 
at this, at this passage of Scripture is the people responsible to try and do the work of God in their own strength. It will never lead to success. Have we ever tried to do that? So as we look at this story, and this is very practical, and I'll end with this, what are some takeaways that we can apply to our lives from this story in Scripture? We've, we've, we've studied the story. We've talked about it. We've talked about the victory they had at the beginning. But we've seen how their fear, and it wasn't just the fear that got them, it was when the fear started to control them, and that was what they were focused on. What are some takeaways that we can learn from the story? And, and as, I, as, I, as I read these, these are, I try to make these as practical as possible. Number one, God has a plan during difficult times in our lives, even when we do not. Number two, we can trust that when we don't understand God's plan, He already has the ending figured out. Again, this, nothing in this story made God say, oh no. Nothing in this story was like, oh yeah, those guys are tall. No, he, he understood. Number three, don't let our, oh, this is good. <laughs> don't let our fear over physical problems in our life control our trust in an all-powerful God. Man, I, I don't know. Maybe these children of Israel, maybe they just needed a reminder. <laughs> hey, why don't you take a walk back to the Red Sea? Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe you do need to go back to Egypt and see what God did there because now you're allowing fear to take your trust away from an all-powerful God. Number four, when things don't go our way, and this is what challenges me, run back to God, not back to our comfort zone. The children of Israel missed an opportune moment here. They missed the moment of saying, God, yeah, we are fearful. Let's run to God. Hey, man, you know what? Those giants are huge. Those cities are going to be hard to conquer. Man, let's pray. We're going to need God's help. We're going to need God's power. No, no, no. Let's go back to what we're comfortable with. And then number five, don't let our fear, or sorry, number five, don't try to replace the power of God with our own human effort. Don't try to replace the power of God with our own human, human effort. The conclusion is this tonight. If you continue to look at the story, and you can keep reading through the book of Numbers, I'd encourage you to if you haven't before. It's amazing. God continues to care for them because they are his people. We're going to see after this, God doesn't stop doing miracles in their life. They understand this is going to be the consequence of what happened. But God says, hey, you're going to wander till everyone in this older generation has died. It ends up being about 40 years. And God says, but during this time, I'm going to take care of you. He still does. He gives them food to eat. He makes sure they have water. They still have that pillar providing shade during the day. They have that pillar of cloud at night. Moses is still guiding them. Man, he still gives them victory over, uh, over different things. He's still taking care of them, but they missed out on an amazing opportunity to fulfill God's plan for their life. And I think about this, and again, like I said, whenever I think of these things, I, I really do try to put myself in their shoes. And I was thinking about this, you know, for the next 40 years... Think about some of the very practical consequences. Could you imagine, and again, can you imagine this? 20 years in. Hey, Dad, uh, Dad, I, I, I'm tired of camping in this tent. Dad, Dad I, you know what? I've tried to have a good attitude for these years, but why? why? Didn't you say that God, that God had something greater for us? Why are we still doing what we're doing, Dad? Well, son... I had to explain. Listen, there, there is never, I never want there to be a time in my life uh, when maybe in the past I've allowed fear to control me or a decision I've made that's going to affect those around me. We're going to see here, those 10 men were the ones that were fearful, but who did it affect? It literally affected an entire generation of Israelites. And if you think about it, more than a generation, because yeah, it affected those they never got to see the promised land, but guess who had to drag the rest of their families around the middle of a desert for 40 years? Oh yeah, they did too. Why? Because of fear. 
For the next 40 years, the children wouldn't, wouldn't know what it was like. Hey, wh- why don't we live in a house? <laughs> hey, Dad, why do we have to always move around? Dad, why are we always trying to find water? Man, why are we trying to always live uh, in the desert? Hey, Dad, you know, there's some green land over there. And uh, I don't know about you, uh, I like green land. Okay, that's why I live in Oregon, except for right now. But <laughs> for the most part, I like green land. Dad, why can't we go over there? Well, son, uh, <laughs> yeah, let, let, me, let me tell you. We allowed fear to control us. And may that never be said about us as, as Christians. You know, we don't have to live a life of fear. And we're, I'm going to end with this verse. And honestly, probably one of my favorite verses. We don't have to live a life of fear as a Christian because we have a Savior that has overcome the world. This is in John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's comforting to me. Listen, as a Christian, God says, he said, first off, I didn't give you the spirit of fear. I want you to understand, when you, when you are feeling fear in your life, that's not me putting that in there. But he says, listen, even if you're going to have fear in your life, you have to understand something. You don't have to be fearful. Why? I've, I've overcome it for you already. All you have to do is trust in me. And if I could challenge you with one thing, and, and, and everything that I've said tonight, I've been challenged by multiple times. Like I said, this is, a, this is a truth that I have been challenged by for probably over the last year. And just every once in a while, I kind of pulled it up and, and thought about it again. We live in a very fear, fearful world. We live in a world where people are controlled by it. But as Christians, we don't have to have that fear. We can live, and, and, and we don't, it, I don't want that to mean that we need to be prideful or anything like that. No, no, no. But we have, can have a confidence in God. We can live with it and say, you know what, I'm not going to fear what, what men may do unto me, but I understand that I can have enough confidence in God that whatever comes in my life, whatever God's plan is for my life, I can have victory through it. Why? Because I don't need to fear it. God says this, I have overcome the world. Very quickly, heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll just have a word of prayer here uh, very quickly this evening. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Brother Derek, this is something that maybe I've struggled with, this, this topic of fear. Maybe I've, I've had things in my life or uh, circumstances that God has, has, has laid on my heart to do, but I just haven't pursued them or I haven't followed those because of this, just because I'm fearful. I would say this, you know, that's, some, that's a place that I have been as well. Very quickly, we're going to do this. If you could stand, the piano's going to play just for a short minute. The altar is open, but even if you're just right there in your seat and you say, I'm just going to take a minute here and I'm going to ask God to take away that spirit of fear in my life, knowing that that God isn't the one giving it, that that spirit of fear is not from Him, that He's given us victory. If you would, just can pray that for just a minute and then we'll wrap up our service here in just a second. Lord, thank you so much for all that you do for us. Thank you for this uh, story in the Bible, but Lord, these events in the Bible that happen. And Lord, thank you so much that we don't have to have the same ending as these people did, Lord, that we can have victory through you. Lord, I pray that we would take that, uh, that we would hold on to it, 
and that we'd use it as we go throughout our lives. We love you. Amen. You can stay standing. We'll be dismissed in just a second. Just want to remind you, this Sunday, uh, Pumpkin Sunday, uh, I think my dad, Brother TJ, mentioned that. I will say this, the Apple Slingshot, I'm working on that. I got, this is cool. I'm excited about this. The teens are excited about this. If you're not excited about it, it's okay. I got a car to shoot apples at. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't know if you've ever... If you've shot apples at a car, uh, I've never shot apples at a car, but I'm excited. I was doing some, you know, testing last weekend uh, with our slingshots, and those apples, man, they're moving. So I have a car out in the field. I'm going to get some, I, they're not in here, it doesn't matter, okay? Uh, I'm going to get some uh, cutouts, maybe try to get Brother TJ's face on, the, on a little cutout in the field. If you hit Brother TJ's face, I might get Brother Cameron. Uh, I don't know if I want to do my dad, that might seem bad, okay? Uh, maybe not Pastor Justin, I don't know. But we're going to get, it'll be a great time out there. It's going to be awesome. I would encourage you. I've already reached out to a few families, uh, brand new families, hopefully, that will be here this Sunday. It's going to be a great time, just a fellowship. Have a good time, going to be beautiful weather. We'd love to see you there. Thank you so much for coming this Wednesday night, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday. Thank you so much.